And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 280 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, July 15th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who definitely didn't get to go with Richard Branson on his spaceship, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Are you sad about that? Yeah. <laughs> I said, yes. I couldn't sleep. I was sad that I didn't get the invitation. You know, it was, I saw a tweet from Conan O'Brien that made me laugh. He said, he said maybe, maybe someday space travel won't be just for billionaires. Maybe if I have 500 million, that'll be enough. I just. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean,. Uh, it's pretty incredible, I think. I mean, I know a lot of people are making fun of just Richard Branson being marketer Richard Branson about the whole thing, which... Oh, could you... I mean, could it have been any more of a marketing Well, stunt, and then right? plus I he mean, releases... Like the giant logo on the bottom of the spaceship gave it away, I well, think. Well, and then they, they did, right afterward, they did the, the share drop. They, they announced the additional uh, stock shares... Of Virgin yes, Galactic, right. I'm like, that's just, I mean, I get it. It's either great timing or the worst timing possible because now everyone knows that you timed it that way. It's just, uh, but but hey, I mean, we've got the great billionaire standoff for space travel between Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Richard Branson. Who yeah. who will win? Would you put mo- who, who uh, would you put money on? Well, if, if you're... Well, here what I, here's what I would say. I, I, if you're asking me which business I would, uh, I would pick as the winner, it would be SpaceX. It would be Musk, and you know, and I know you're not a big Musk fan these days, but but they're actually doing things that will work. You know, I you know, Professor Galloway talked about this, and I think it's right on the money. Which is, if you look at the literally the marketing basics for space tourism, the numbers just don't work from a TAM, from a total addressable market standpoint. You just, you know, it's not a sustainable business as it is right now. It's just, you know, there are just not that many multimillionaires who are going to want that once in a lifetime chance. And even if you did run through that cycle of the let's call it few thousand multimillionaires who are willing to do, you know, pay hundreds of millions of dollars to get on a space tourism thing for that once in a lifetime story that they can tell at cocktail parties. It, it doesn't, you know, you, you run out of market pretty quickly. So unless they figure out a way to make this, even if, even if they make it, you know, there's so much efficiency that would have to be built into that to make it even a little bit. And and the problem is, of course, there's nowhere to go. You know what I mean? It's like you go up. You know, this is the uh, the classic. You know, why boat rentals, for example, in my part of the world. You know, boat rentals in L.A. and you know up where we typically go for uh, our little weekends up in Santa Barbara. 
there's not that much of a market for boat rentals. And why? Because there's no real place to go there. You know, it's not like a lake where you can go across the lake and have a nice meal and, you know, and then get in your boat and drive around and go fishing and stuff like that. It's just, you know, you can go out in the water in the harbor and you can kind of go out into the ocean a little bit, but eh, there's not much, there's nowhere to go. And that's the same problem here is like, you know, you go up and you look around and you come down and I just don't think the market is there. So that's one, that's one revenue possibility though. I mean, look at all, I mean, when you do this, you have, yes, you're talking about basically a subscription plan, right? You're, you're selling tickets to, to whatever the space travel experience is, but you can all, there's also many other sponsorship marketing opportunities that they could sell with that. Then you've got the tech. You've got the different partnerships associated. So I, I just would say you're, you're, you may be right about where to go, but first of all, there are a lot of millionaires out there that would try this. There are a lot of billionaires out so. there that I would try I think that's this. true. I just don't think it's a sustainable market, right? For, you know, not unlike, you know, so when you look at Musk and SpaceX, who are truly building satellites and basically a freight logistics uh, company to move stuff back and forth between the space station and and ultimately probably the moon. When I look at that space um, investment, I, I get it right. I understand it, and I see the the business case. And you can see, and boy, can you see the total addressable market there? I mean, that just you know that just makes it makes all the sense in the world to me. So the technology. You know, they're not really, neither billionaire is really pushing the technology that much. You know, they're, I mean, they're, you know, the near space stuff has been done for, you know, years and years and years by NASA. So they're not really pushing the limits of technology that much. They're, they're just doing something that, you know, is vaguely interesting to a few people. And I think, I think the fact that regular people can, go to space is pretty advanced oh yeah i mean it's I not i wouldn't say that I mean, it's yes, not advanced it's, it's, yeah we, you know? we did that 50 years ago but uh not not everyone could do that and now if you've got enough money you could do that the, the one thing i'll say about elon and then we can we can change the subject but <laughs> yes i agree with you i think from a business standpoint if i was to say What's the order right now? I mean, it's pretty clear that it'd be SpaceX, Virgin Galactic, and and Blue Origin, which is Bezos' company, because I don't really know what what they... But we'll see. I mean, next week he's going to launch, and I'm sure that there's going to be things that happen. I just don't trust Elon as a business person. I think that what he's created with PayPal and Tesla and SpaceX are amazing contributions to society. But... If you look into what's going on with the Solar City thing, there's a lot of shenanigans. A lot of shenanigans. Oh, totally. Especially, you've got a lot of nepotism going on there. You've got a lot of things about the board. You know, was there a board? Who's on the board? You know, just just crazy. And, and in my opinion, there's nothing that Elon wouldn't do to be successful, even if it means breaking the law a lot. I don't know that. Don't take, you know, I'm not a an investigator. I'm just looking <laughs> Investment at Investment advice brought to you by Joe exactly. Polizzi and cryptocurrency. I just <laughs> I just I just don't don't feel good about it. So, yeah, I I'm with you there. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. I just uh, and we're talking about it purely from an investment 
perspective. That I, I agree, and I and I would I would agree with that order that you put it in as well. I think, and part of that is because uh, we know so little about Bezos's efforts here, right? They they've kept that so under wraps that you know, unlike Branson, who will talk about it, you know, on. Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. you know, that, you know, Bezos and Amazon just have not talked at all about Blue Origins and and, and what's going on there. So it, it remains to be seen. You know, we may we may be surprised with some of the technology or what they're what they're thinking about. But, you know, uh, other than getting your Amazon package via spaceship, I'm not sure what it could bring, <laughs> you know. By the way, uh, did you have you seen the, so as we discuss this, this is Thursday and uh, Wes Anderson has a new movie coming out and they did the big promo I've heard, for it. Yes. And I was like a lot of other, I don't know if you get like this, but when I see what's trending on Twitter and I see a name, I get concerned. Do you do this? Like when so I saw Bill Murray's name trending on Twitter today. And, you know, yeah. oh, and you thought, thought he, he might have died. So I get oh, yeah. and so luckily I click on it and he didn't die. There's he's just been in this photo shoot and everybody's talking about how amazing he looks. He has he's pulling two watches. He, I love it. I mean I totally am digging the Bill Murray two watch look. I know that's not an original thing. I know other people have have done it, but nobody wears it like Bill Murray. So I would actually get two watches now and just say I'm doing the Bill Murray. Okay, and, and the purpose <laughs> okay. being, and is it to have different time zones, or is it just to I, have see? one that tells time and one for a Fitbit? That's what kind I of wanted thing. to know. I think they're two regular watches. They look like two Rolexes to me. Um, so they just, you know, whatever. If he just wants, I think it might just be a fact where I don't know which way I want to go. Do I want to go left hand or right hand to look at the time right now? I don't know. You can mix it up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're very. Innovative. I don't see Bill Murray go. as the Apple Watch Fitbit kind of guy. Just gonna throw. I don't out either. There. Yeah, yeah. So, all anyways, right. Yeah, that's well. that's that's it. So, I don't know. Do we have anything else? To <laughs> we don't have. Well, we have the yeah, news. We do have the news, we do have the news we to cover. Fill the time with news analysis with an actual show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems boring. Probably. But- you got to make the donuts, right? It seems right? boring. That's what you said. It seems boring. <laughs> well, our first story is not boring. Uh, let's get to it because it's one that you and I have had eh, a few discussions about before. Um, this is, I guess, big news. I mean, uh, funny, all of the major marketing publications are covering it as if it's big news. Um, it seems like somebody at Gary V's publicity group is really earning their pay this week. Um, anyway, the the article that we'll link to in the show notes comes to us courtesy of Media Post. Uh, and the article's headline is VaynerX, of course, <laughs> that's the name of the thing, enters the NFT space, brings Budweiser along as its first client. Uh, the article opens up by saying VaynerX uh, has launched a new consultancy that will advise clients on the ins and outs of non-fungible tokens and has signed Budweiser as its first client. 
NFTs are digital assets representing art, photographs, memorabilia, and other physical objects. Uh, no, that is not true. Anyway, uh, grr. Uh, the agency cited research reporting that over $2 billion was spent on NFTs in Q1 2021. VaynerX founder Gary Vaynerchuk has separate NFT project called VFriends, this is what you talked about on this mm-hmm. show, that has raised $50 million since its launch in May. Prospective clients can work with Vayner NFT in a number of ways, on a consulting basis, on an NFT launch strategy, or with a full NFT development partnership, said the company. Budweiser is a longtime VaynerX client. No specifics yet on the NFT partnership, but Richard Oppie, uh, head of global brands at AB InBev, that's Budweiser's parent company, of course, uh, stated the brewer is always looking for new ways to innovate and provide the best experience for our consumers. Uh, The NFT space, Oppie added, will allow the firm to offer customers with more valuable experiences and bring them even closer to their favorite athletes, musicians, and celebrities through collectible NFTs. The article goes on, not much farther than that, to basically round out and say that Budweiser thinks this is a very good idea. And so what say you, Mr. Polizzi? Uh, I definitely have a take on this, um, but would love to hear... What you well, think? I mean, as as the person who wrote a book called Experiences, uh, I would imagine that this this is not that. This is not that. Let's just be why not? really clear. It's, but it, if it, it, it keep going, keep going. But this is sure not it that. Is. Sure, it is. They're creating okay. unique experiences that are valued to a lot of people. Uh, you have a market. By the way, two billion dollars in one quarter is unbelievable. The amount of money there's. Less than 1% of the population even knows what an NFT is, and you already have $2 billion being spent. We're on the bleeding edge. The, can you imagine the amount of money that's going to be spent on these types of things? Um, and frankly, when you have the governments like the United States that keep, they keep printing money and making money out of nowhere and the money printer going burr, you're going to have things like this be even more valuable uh, on and on because the dollar is completely worthless, which is a whole nother show that we can, <laughs> we can do some other time. But if you can, if you're Budweiser and there's a group of fans that you can provide unique experiences for and they're willing to spend money on it, then... I think that this is fine. And as as for uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, I got to tell you, I did not. I mean, I I told you that I did not think V Friends, which was his NFT launch, I, I didn't think it was going to be successful. But it is. He, in in all ways, shape, and form, if you look at the sales of what he's doing on V Friends, if you look at OpenSea, which is the marketplace for uh, for NFTs, this is way beyond any success that I could have imagined him having. So, uh, and there's just so there's so much education and there's some that needs to happen in the space and so many people that just don't get it. So if you're so early in the process and you're seeing this kind of success, unbelievable, good for Budweiser, good for Gary, this jumping at an opportunity where if you're in the agency business, you're in the experience business. And there's a lot of agencies that have no clue what's going on. Gary knows. Gary's in on all. If you look at Discord and some of these groups, if you go to the CryptoPunks uh, Discord channel and some other channels around NFTs, Gary is very active. 
He is part of that community. He starts to get it. He can go in. He can sell this deal that he's just sold to Budweiser to 50 other companies tomorrow. He could be the most valuable agency in the world in a year if he did this right, which is hard to believe. And I know you're going to scoff at that. But there's there's too much money, Robert. There's too much money in this. And there's brands that have no clue. <laughs> there's brands that have no clue what they're doing with this. So who are you gonna who are you gonna call? <laughs> Ghostbusters. Exactly. As as I'm gonna I'm going to call Ghostbusters on this. Um, uh, look. So let's let's let me first preface my 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 take here by saying uh, this falls distinctly in the category of damn. I wish I had thought of that. Um, so good for the folks at VaynerX. Is that VaynerMedia? Um, did he change it to VaynerX? Yeah, I think okay. he did. I think he I did. Didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's basically his 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 agency. Because yeah. they do more than media now. So whenever you don't, do, it's yeah. just like SpaceX. They do stuff. Oh, in they space, repair cars. So they yeah. They got they got they sell lollipops. They they do the got they it. they they do yeah. everything okay. right. They, you know so, um, so uh, let let's be clear that you know I, I'm. You know, I admire them for basically picking this wave to surf, um, and how they've jumped up on their board and 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 have really like driven this home. Because whether or not it's a tulip type of fad, which is what I think it is, um, I I applaud them their ability to sort of take it and run with it. So everything else should be taken with that context that I'm about to, to say. This is when when they cite research reporting that more than $2 billion was spent on NFTs. First of all, I'd like to see that research because what I read into that is that $2 billion were spent creating NFTs, not $2 billion were spent buying NFTs. No, 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 NFTs. that's spent. That's spent. Go to, go to OpenSea. Go look at the amount of money spent per week on NFTs. It will blow your mind how much is being spent. I totally believe that in number. The, all right, I'll, I'll I will go look. Um, I'm not sure I do. And so, beyond that, uh, you know, I look at what Budweiser does here, and I go, okay, for them, this is an interesting experiment, right? So, you know, there are lots of big numbers being thrown around here, but I will have a guess and say that Budweiser is tiptoeing into this. I mean, look, Budweiser spends an obscene amount of mm-hmm. money in marketing and advertising. And so there are there's a lot of risk that they can take on with a tiny amount of money, right? You know, and and a tiny amount of money for them would be measured in millions and tens of millions of dollars, right? So, you know, they can spend some money on this. Real what we would think of as real money and they would think of as a nice, you know, uh beta test or some sort of, you know, experiment and try it out. Um, I I don't personally think it's going to work out terribly well as a marketing strategy. I don't agree that this is creating differentiated experiences for customers. I think this is a, you know, it's the same kind of stunt as, you know, uh, you know, it, it, it is not the same. Let me put it this way. Some of the things that we've seen over the last let's call it 12 months where brands are doing very interesting things with packaging um, and with uh, 
you know, where they're 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 doing special edition cans in a specific color to support, you know, some particular, you know, purpose driven initiative or doing special edition versions of particular products to create. This is not that. This is them doing a brand extension into other types of digital assets like I'm sure they'll be talking to the NBA and MLB and NFL and all sorts of musicians and artists and stuff like that and saying, you know, we'll do a special college quarterback, you know, workout NFT, uh, get it before he gets drafted first, sponsored by Budweiser, right? And that, I just don't, I don't see that being terribly interesting from a marketing perspective. It's it's an interesting experiment as a thing, but I don't see it being terribly interesting from a market. I just don't I, I think don't you just can't wrap your head it. around this. That's that I have my head wrapped no, no, around I mean, it. I know okay. I understand it. I mean, look, I'm Homer Simpson. Just because I understand doesn't mean I care. <laughs> just you know, I mean, it's like I, I I get it. I do understand it. I just don't care. Well, First of all, on the experiences level, V, we had the whole conversation about V friends. Each NFT that he sells, whether or not you like the idea or not agree with it, creates a separate experience, a separate in-person experience at the show. So from that standpoint, it is a, he's selling a content product. He just happens to do it with an NFT, and then that gets you into certain things. Could you have done it a different way? Sure, you could have. But the fact is, is that if you didn't sell it through an NFT, the per, the owner couldn't have resold it, and then Gary couldn't have gotten the percentage of that sale, and on and on and on. So if somebody sell takes Gary V's specific content experience through V V Friends NFT that he's trying to sell, that has its own value. But he continues to make money off the sale and the sale and the sale, and then the person, if it's really a value and somebody else wants it, somebody can sell that for more, the next year or the next day, or whatever. But it has its own experience, and then you can mark that as a unique thing because it's a smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain. Now we're getting way oh, down I the rabbit hole. I understand that. But, yeah, I understand. I, but I'm just saying, people don't understand that. So this is a whole new sub-business. So let's just take everything else. You're talking about, okay, Budweiser sells mostly beer. Great. Well, there's a lot of fans that would like to be more a part of that. Well, Budweiser doesn't just have to sell beer. They can sell art. They can sell photos. sell new memorabilia. And instead of your old certificate of authenticity that anyone else could forge at any time, you then can take that and say, look, here's the NFT. Here's the insurance contract that everyone can see publicly on the web so that you own it. And only you own it. Because everyone can see it. It's on the blockchain. <laughs> yeah. What, okay. What? What, I, you know, what? What does it? <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, you, I don't either. That's my point. That's my whole point. Is I don't get it. I don't. I, I don't get it. Is exactly the, my sentiment. I, you know, I, and look, I'm fully, fully copping to the. I may be wrong here. I mean, and will be fascinated, truly fascinated, if I end up eating crow on the, on all of this in you know two years, three years, five years time, and I and I look back at this conversation and go, yeah, I was really wrong about this. 
But I don't think no. I am. Well, <laughs> I don't, we don't, I don't we, think we, I am. We can agree to disagree, and we'll know who's right yeah. in a very short period yeah. of time. But just as you know, of course. on just this is just sales on OpenSea. This is one marketplace. The last week, the last seven days, the top four yeah. NFTs have generated over around $50 million U.S. In the last seven okay. days, on one marketplace, $50 million. CryptoPunks up 25%. Yep. The next one's up 300%. The next one's up 150%. Next one's up 4%. That's just in the okay. last seven days. So, I, you know, and there's all kinds of, there's foundation, uh, there's Rarible, there's a whole bunch of other platforms that are being sold, uh, that NFTs are being sold on. So, I, I don't know. They're probably then just adding. <laughs> the, the thing is, what's wonderful about this is that you can actually know to the dime how much is being sold. You just go to all the the public chain information on each of the platforms, and you can tell how many NFTs are being bought. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate that. By the way, that's 2.5% of $2 billion. So one, um, I know, yeah. but that was qu- in a quarter. I'm talking about one week you're on, you're talking about one, one week, week on right? one platform. which is more than two point one week is more than 2.5 percent of a quarter so um yeah there we go oh my gosh you are i'll get the i'll get the data <laughs> you get the data uh you get the data i'll get the cannoli and we'll be I good i cannot believe <laughs> that you were this old i can't when did you when did you stop looking at new technology you were on the forefront of no, new no, tech. No, 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 no. You created you can't HBO's conflate those first two things. website, I think, correct? Yeah, you can't. Who? Didn't, whose website did you create? That Was it Showtime, HBO? Didn't you do something like that when you were in oh, March There's a whole 1st. bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. There's a, there, yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. But, but, but that's different. Why? It, it is totally different. You know, you can't, don't conflate those two you things, cr- right? It, you, you know, because. This is Web3, man. This is this is you know I also didn't buy into the whole like you know v- virtual worlds thing of the you know the, what was they what was it back in the early two thousands the where you walked around and it was going to be a chat room where you had a little avatar and you walked around ah I can't remember uh, the name of it even so but it starts with an S um, simple second simple life second second life. life yes I thought that was ridiculous by um, the way that's and, coming back by the way that's going to be a thing too. That's all. That's huge. What's going on in the NFT space and that, but we don't have to get into that. There are people. Right. You remember? Remember? Yes. Go back then, when that started, and you you had people like IBM and Nike like buy spots in Second Life. Well, now yeah, twenty one years bought later, entire places. That's yeah, abs- exactly. That, this is my point. This is my point, and 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 all of them were hedges against the technology, and I. Totally get. I and as I said, I understand why Budweiser does this as a hedge. You know, they're they're trying it out, and if they win, they win, and if they don't, it's a high you know high you know high risk, uh you know high reward, and if they lose, not that much, um, and so they can they can afford to take that that risk. I just think it's you know I I, I I'm pretty confident, and again, I think I've been clear that you know. If I'm wrong, I'll eat crow on this. I absolutely will, but I don't get it. I, I don't. I don't. I don't get it. And again, kudos to Vayner for 
for for recognizing this, you know, it's in the same way that, you know, I'm sure the people who launched Second Life made a very fine penny at it as well during the very short time that it existed. So people are going to make money. I, I I don't disagree with that. And I don't disagree with them making money. I just think this is, I literally think this is tulips. How, how long does it have to go on before you believe? It's already been four years. It has to stay. It has to last. It, it, you know, that's what it's I mean. The it's, same, it, yeah, it's, but it's the same thing people say about Bitcoin. Oh, it's, well, it's been around for, for over 10 years now. So how long? Yeah, I think Bitcoin. Well, so so again, again long, let's not conflate. I'm, how long do they Bitcoin have to stay Cryptocurrency, to I believe in. How long? I mean, so what's the tipping point that will make you? The answer is it? yes. They have to. They have to last. La- they 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 have last. To. How long? I know. How yes. Long? Forever. They have <laughs> to. They have to. They have to. It has to exist as a thing. If this, you know, I mean, look. If I'll, I'll put it this way, if it if it lasts for twenty years, fine. Consider that a generation, and I and 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 it can be a generational thing, right? You know. How you know cassettes were a thing? They they came and went. They were replaced with a, a an alternative technology. But if it's a real thing, if this is a really fundamentally transformative thing, it certainly has to become not dat tape. You know, it it needs to not become the micro cassette. It needs to not be the laser disc, right? It needs to actually last and become a standard. And if this is done, you know, if so, how long does it take to become a standard in today's world? I don't know, but I know this: if if it do, if it lasts less than a few years, and is ultimately either forgotten or replaced with something else, then then it's not then it wasn't a thing. Every <laughs> every agreement contract that you will have in the next no, 10 no, years no, will no. be an you, NFT. No, 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 no. You, you just won't even call are, it an NFT. You, it's just, you, this is the way technology is going to be. No, no, you are. You do not get to change my position. My position on the smart contract and the use of the blockchain to create smart contracts, as I have said over and over, is a technology that I think is absolutely worth it. What I'm talking about is this collectibles, NFTs, creating a marketplace for brands to create digital unique files of common things i that to me d- is not a thing smart contracts absolutely i've talked about the ticket sales we've talked about smart contracts in real estate we've talked about smart contracts on the blockchain totally i'm down for that i'm absolutely 100% in that i think it's early on the hype cycle i think it will become a standard way of managing contracts but this whole collectibles using NFTs to to create unique digital things that people are going to trade and and brands are going to somehow become part of as a sponsor. Well, eh, okay, I, I mean I, that's the part I, I don't mean, we, get. We, we can go on to the next topic. We probably should. Yeah. But so you don't think that yeah. what what Gary's doing with V Friends is a thing. I think it's a thing for him right now. It's a wave. It's a very short wave that he's can surf and and do very well at. I I do. That's the part where I, that's the where I, where I opened with this and said, you know, in the I wish I had thought of that category. You know, it's a it's a it's a great thing. It's a it's good a good for them. 
good for them. What I what I kind of go meh and raise an eyebrow at is Budweiser. You know, there are there are better things that I if I were Budweiser I would spend my money on, but that's just me. Better than a Super Bowl ad. I, agreed. Maybe. I don't know. But it's the last thing that I'll say on this on this topic. Yeah. I keep saying <laughs> you this is said a lot of last things. Yeah. You said a lot of last Here's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is and this goes back and yeah. by the way, a lot of the rest of what we're gonna talk about is a lot about advertising and marketing spend. But that's if, right. If you just look at because it holds no value for big companies like Budweiser to have cash on their balance sheet today. It does no good to them at all. I don't they disagree with that it. either. I they think have that's, to spend it and be absolutely a, So this yes. is, again, yeah. why we're seeing a lot of this innovation happen, because they have to spend the money. They have to invest it that's in right. something. And so that's part of why that's this right. wave is happening. So I totally agree oh, with that. Oh, it's good we totally agree, agree on that. something. Yeah, yeah. All I right. totally agree with that. that there, there is a lot of money getting thrown around right yep. now. You know, it, you know. There, there's a whole fascinating, I forget what podcast it was that I was listening to, that talked about the, uh, have you heard about this, where, where there's a, an entire market of art um, that gets bought and then just stored in museums and not really shown, just because that's where people can park money. That they're just yes, parking money. I have seen that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it's. It the whole. Th- no, it's not different. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's different than yeah. just collectibles taking off. I mean, the art, art, art itself is the is the number one outside of of Bitcoin in the last ten years. Art is the second uh, best investment over the last ten years, and a lot of people don't realize that. So that's and then who buys a lot of art, a lot of rich people, a lot of rich people are having great years because they have all this art and they're putting art. Exactly. Every, and that's then yeah. that's another reason why we get to the NFTs. But I'll digress. <laughs> you, yes. Di- digress is yeah, a good exactly. word. For all right. Yes. What do we got next, sir? <laughs> all right. Our next story here um, comes to us courtesy of uh, an investment company. Um if uh, if any of you have followed the Ark, um, which seems to be uh, Wall Street's new favorite child, um, and certainly poster child for innovation, uh, Ark Investments. Anyway, um, they off they do a lot of ETFs and and that sort of thing. And on their blog, uh, they actually feature a very interesting update on TikTok, which we talked about at length last week. Uh, and both Joe and I found this fascinating, actually, and this is really interesting. Um, their, uh, I guess this is a their observation, uh, which is uh, ByteDance, which of course is uh, uh, TikTok's parent company. Uh, ByteDance, the company behind TikTok, has launched a new division called Byte Plus to sell platform services based on TikTok's features. Of the six services offered, the most striking is Byte Plus Recommend, the artificial intelligence recommendation algorithm responsible for TikTok's meteoric rise to the top of the social media digital entertainment landscape. Unlike most social platforms with follow and feed content models, TikTok focuses on serendipitous discovery powered by its AI recommendation engine. 
After a user uploads a video, TikTok tests it on a small number of users, and depending on engagement statistics, such as time watched, likes, comments, shares, and downloads, decides whether or not to push it to a broader audience. It repeats that cycle with larger groups until engagement peaks. As a result, in just five years, TikTok's app has scaled to more than 1 billion users globally. With Byte Plus Recommend, entrepreneurs will now have access to this potent recommendation engine, the adoption of which could impact businesses' success globally. According to the Byte Plus website, after implementing Byte Plus Recommend, for example, Singapore-based travel app WeGo enjoyed a 40% increase in conversions. Um, that is a really interesting development here, both for enterprise marketers as well as content creators. Um, the idea of TikTok selling as a B2B type technology and service for those, it would be a little bit like, oh, Amazon, Amazon selling is, you know, of. Yeah. You know, selling, yeah, yeah. And, and all of the things that they're doing. I, you know, we, we kind of raved last week around TikTok and, and all of the things that they were doing. And this just I mean, this just adds to that rave. I mean, this is this is fascinating stuff. This is that's the game changing stuff right here, which is, you know, I mean, you talk about technology and being a fan of technology and being a proponent of technology. This is where I go. Yes, this is the kind of technology that changes marketplaces. So I don't know. What did you think about that? I immediately you mentioned Amazon, Jeff Bezos. I immediately thought about this because what what yeah. ha I mean, it, this is Amazon, Amazon Web Services. A, yeah, all Amazon over Web again. Service AWS yeah. was created because Amazon needed a lot of data, and they there really was no service that could help. And so they started to patch this thing together, and they created this whole data system that became AWS. And then they said, "Wow, this is pretty good. We know a lot of people, a lot of our customers <laughs> that need this. Let's offer it as a service." And AWS yep. right now is the I think is the largest business-to-business -business company by revenue generation, I believe. Is that correct? I, I yeah. think that's true. Yep, I, I think so that's you, true. You, we think about Amazon as, oh, well, I'm going to get my Amazon package tomorrow, but but <laughs> they have this huge B2B behemoth behind them as well. I could see TikTok doing this. I mean, how many times have people, have marketers talked about this amazing algorithm of TikTok and only if it was available? Well, here it is. It's available. I can't imagine how many calls they received, Robert, about anyone in retail right now saying, please, can we overlay your algorithm onto our site and see if this thing works? Absolutely. Any e-commerce company, any any company with a lot of, you know, gosh, I mean, just, you know, Zillow, um, any real estate application, any music application, any anything where you need to serendipitously discover things by browsing through, you know, any media um, company, you know, any, new things yeah. and you don't know what to, yeah, any, and you don't know what to surf, uh, surf or search for rather becomes a, a great, you know, a great uh, candidate for this. And, and, you know, I mean, we've talked about on the show about one of the reasons we thought TikTok was such a great you know, platform and, and it was the user experience, right? When you, when you went through and you browse through, it just uncannily knows what you're going to sort of want to see and find amusement in. And it's, uh, it's, it's really good. And when you start to see that, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, 
It's pretty amazing. It, it's, yeah, thirty-one billion, by the way, in Amazon. Thirty-one billion dollars in revenue. Oh my gosh! In AWS, it, I think yeah. it's this thing that um, you know this this thing we've talked about a brand mission statement that a, a brand's mission statement should never say this is what we sell. It's like this is who we are. Here's who our customers are. This is what we believe, but not what we sell, because today with the today's technology. Amazon, Disney, uh, even Apple in certain cases have shown that you you aren't what you sell anymore. You aren't Ford. That's where I mean, if you yeah. look at the growing companies over the past 50 years, the ones that have just said, this is what we sell and we're better at selling this thing than anyone else have basically gone down in market cap. Yeah. And the ones that say, here's yeah. who we serve and this is what we believe, those are the ones that offer all sorts of things because they're more attuned to what's going on in the marketplace and with their audiences instead of just focusing on product, 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 product. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, not to, I mean, I, you know, you know me, I get geeky about this, but this is Theodore Levitt, you know, in, in a nutshell, in the 1960s when he said, understand what business you're really in. And, you know, he, at in the time, he chided both the entertainment business because at that point, feature films were going down and down and down and down. And what he said was is that these movie companies think they're in the movie business when they're actually in the entertainment business. And it was you know, sort of the rebirth of many of those businesses in the late 60s and early 70s into not just films, but television and radio and you know, the sort of growth of the entertainment media conglomerate that we know today. And the other one was, of course, the railroad business, right? Yeah. Theodore Levitt, and that's where you get the the famous quote that you know railroad businesses thought they were in the railroad business when they were actually in the transportation business, and you know that's that's the real you know the the real magic today are these platform companies that under, just exactly to your point, Joe, uh, really understand what business that they're really in based on what they believe and who they serve, and it's uh it, it's an incredible it's an incredible thing you know and and. I, you know, I think they're going to be incredibly successful. It's so funny. I mean, I'm just trying to think about TikTok. So TikTok, you could say, oh, they're a video sharing app, right? But really, they're in the business of content discovery, automated content discovery, yeah. I guess you'd say. Yep. And if you're in that bit, video app versus, versus, so video app, what's the market cap for that? I don't know, $20 billion? What's the market cap for automated content discovery on any platform on the planet. It's probably a trillion dollars. <laughs> so, yeah, so who's right. who, so, so take that another level, who, who's should be most concerned about the rise of t- Chinese based ByteDance? who owns TikTok? You would think, well, here's Google, the, right. Yes. Alphabet. Right. Yes. Yep. And, well, and you know, what's fascinating to me is, and we did it on the show. And people have done it, you know, sort of armchair quarterbacking, you know, when ByteDance went through its whole thing uh, with the yeah. Trump administration about getting shut down here in the U.S. and getting shut down, um, TikTok getting shut down and, and all of that. And they talked about the acquisitors, um, you know, who, who one of the acquisitors was who? Oracle. And, you know, it. And Microsoft was also considered That's to be right. one yeah. of the potential mm-hmm. acquisitors as well. And so at the time you went, really, Oracle? 
the right. technology. Or Oracle going to become a you know you know a technology company like Oracle buying TikTok? What the heck? You know, for kids that want to make videos, it's like no, no, no. That's there. That think about that for now. Think about that through that context, and you go, okay. Now who might acquire TikTok? Right now, you can start looking at companies like hmm, Amazon might buy TikTok. You know, or Google now might actually buy TikTok, or you know, there there are there are you know, or they may quite frankly be at this point big enough to go on their on their own and 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 do what they need. Well, to Well, think do. about yeah. I mean, Byte Plus could become you know if we if we think this is going to be what it's going to be, could be the largest marketing technology out there in a very short period of time. And even more than marketing, certainly time. one of the even hottest. More than yeah. customer yeah, service, one time. of the hottest. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. we go. Yeah, yep. there we go. All right. Well, speaking of other uh, quick things that we may want to cover here uh, in terms of success, um, interesting article uh, from Publishers Weekly uh, that we'll cover here next, which is print books going back old school now. Soar sales of print books soar in the first year, or the first half year, rather, of 2020. Um, Maybe not that surprising, given what we saw in 2020. Uh, But the article opens and says, in the first half of 2020, unit sales of print books surprised many in the industry by posting a 2.9% increase over the same time period in 2019 at outlets that reported NPD book scan, overcoming a slump in sales in early spring, Following the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, print sales finished 2020 up 8.2% over 2019, and that strong performance continued into 2021, with units jumping 18.5% in the first six months over the comparable period in 2020. So this is not just something that was pandemic-related, it would seem. It would seem that print books are maybe back. Um, what do you think, Joe? I mean, is this what, what do you attribute this to? I think there was a bit of a during that time period a bit of a push away maybe afterward of hey we're on digital devices so much we need another type of experience and uh, and of course a lot of content being consumed at that time but I've as I said I think it was either last week or the week before there's this hidden opportunity with the print experience that I think a lot of marketers and content creators are are discounting because it's maybe seen as outdated or uh, you know non-innovative if you will but there there's something here and there's a good part of the population and I don't think it's going away that want to get their information in printed form now this is about print books which is fine uh, I mean I if you if you ask me I mean I, I so just launching uh, version two of the content Content Inc. If I would say that where most of my sales are, they're in audio, because most of my programming, most of my audience listens to me in either this podcast or the Content Inc. podcast. So there's, I think there's that. That's a whole different thing. So you would you would think about where should my sales come from? But I think that I think in the magazine market is where I see the huge opportunity, especially for brands and creators that want to put a consortium together. I just talked to a group of creators in the restaurant industry today, great group guys. And we were talking about how we could get creative in a, a consortium of, uh, of partners that have distribution, but 
maybe by themselves can't do something, but could we deliver something to a group of people with a high-quality, consistently-driven print publication? Absolutely. And the thing is, is that there's no competition. That's what I love about it. I think that's right. what everybody forgets. Yeah. Is, 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 it's, it's, yes, digital first. I absolutely believe that. I believe in email. I believe in focusing on minimal social channels and being great there. Is it hard to do? Yes. When you have billions of people all being creators at the same time, it's very, very hard to build an audience like that. Uh, that's why if, you, if you're if you a little bit thinking outside the box, it might be easier to do it in print. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, when I look at the sales of our books, uh, my book, uh, you know, it's interesting from a numbers perspective, you know, just over the course of years now, because um, I'm late on my next book, um, you know, we I see print the numbers doing about the same. You know, the number of print books sold versus the number of audio books sold are almost, you know, within a handful of numbers of each other, you know, on in any given quarter when I get the when I get the reports. Now, of course, the money is in audio, right? You know, and so the, you know, so if you were to say, oh, where does, where do authors really want to focus? I'm sure most of them are thinking about mostly about audio books because the, 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 the money is better typically on the audio side, but yeah, print is not dead by any stretch of the imagination. And, and I still, you know, the funny thing is I found myself even, uh, looking more at print um, because for whatever reason, you know, I read a lot on the Kindle, but I find certain books are just, I, 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 I want to read them in print. It's, it's a little bit like I'm stepping away from the screen a bit. And especially last year, you know, when I, you know, when there were so many zoom calls and so many, you know, sitting in front of the screen, literally all day in some cases, you know, just sitting down with a book that was printed was a bit of a relief. Uh, so this uh, this does not surprise me, and I'm and I'm actually kind of well, glad. Think to see about it. this. It comes back to focus. I mean, when was the last time we told the story that Bill Gates and Warren Buffett get into a room they never met each other, and they were both asked to write down the one word, the most important thing that has helped them in their career and their success, and they both wrote down focus and. What happens is if you carry around a book versus a smartphone that can get you access to anything in the world, but you have one book that that's all you're doing right now and you focus on that, that's a big deal. It says something about the individual. It says something about the goal. It says something about you want you want to be. Not that this should be a motivational podcast, but here you go. Yeah. I really believe that. So it says this is a very intentional move to say, I am going to engage in this content experience right now and I'm going to give that my attention. Yeah. So absolutely. you don't get distracted. There's no pop-ups, pop-overs, pings, notifications. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All right. Last story we're going to cover here before we get to rants and raves. And uh, just a, a quick one because Joe mentioned this earlier, and it's something that uh, I think is a really interesting 
thing, and it'll also tee up my rant in a bit. Um, it's a story that comes to us courtesy of Axios, uh, and the headline is, The Ad Market Belongs to Every Business Now. Uh, and the article opens up that says, now that the ad market is booming again, all sorts of businesses are doubling down on their investments selling ad space. And media companies used to be the biggest sellers of advertising, but then tech giants took that title. Now in a post-pandemic world, every industry that has a digital presence is trying to build an ad revenue line. Fascinating uh, sentence there. Uh, Instacart on Thursday said it poached a key Facebook executive uh, to be its new CEO, Simo, who had, uh, that's the new uh, uh, person that they got, Simo, who had been with Facebook for a decade, headed up Facebook's app and was behind many of Facebook's biggest product pivots, notes notably building out Facebook's mobile advertising suite. Industries are also aggressively pursuing advertising, such uh, as GoPuff, the $9 billion food delivery startup, is launching its own ad network. DoorDash is looking to hire a head of advertising. All of the retail giants like Walmart, Target, Best Buy, Home Depot have built their own ad networks, connecting companies to people that they sh- when they shop. And of course, the big one, Amazon, is by far the largest retail ad giant with roughly $20 billion of annual advertising business. Fascinating here, and the article goes on to describe grocery companies, pharmacies, gaming companies, all of these companies that are getting into the building and advertising network game. You know, we thought advertising was dead. It is not. It is alive and well, and it is growing. What do you say to yes, this, Joe? It is. Let's and see. and the, the scary thing is, is that it's growing from mostly non media companies. And this will be the trend from here on out. And But even media yep. companies, if you you know, when you build whatever you believe is your minimum viable audience, like on the, like when we started Content Marketing Institute, we felt that we needed to have 10,000 opt-in subscribers. That was a really good start to monetization. What was our first strategy of monetization? Sponsorship and advertising. It's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the best way to go so you can help. So you have big companies that want to reach your audience that aren't very good at doing it and have a lot of money and they're willing to support you. And then you can go off and build your business model from there. This is happening in every industry on the planet. So I've, (laughs) again, and back to, there's a lot of cash lying around, folks, on both sides. It's helping people (laughs) invest and launch in ad programs and also spend more in advertising across the board. I've never... You know, you and I have been around for a long time now. I've been around for over 20 years doing this thing. I've never seen this amount of money just being thrown around. And on one of the places they're throwing it here is in advertising. Yep, absolutely right. I'll cover it a little more when I talk to uh, my rant in just a bit. But this is a fascinating, you know, a fascinating trend for sure. Um, and one that has really gone sort of under the covers, right? There hasn't been a lot of talk about this. Uh, and, you know, I mean, really, Amazon got a little bit of press around it. But I, I love the way Axios is sort of just, you know, in one, you know, very short 300 word article basically said, this is a thing. Yes. <laughs> this is happening. Um, and it's fascinating to see all those names basically across all those different sectors launching advertising networks which um, which will compete with media companies and so fascinating for both enterprise marketers as well as content creators and by the uh, way alike. and not just um, advertising right i mean we just saw uh, the emmys come out and amazon and netflix and apple were all at the top of the <laughs> the, the emmy nominations yeah, chart that's exactly so right yeah it's, i mean they're also creating their own uh, pub- publishing houses and so yeah it's it's crazy 
Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting to our rants and raves section here where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave and, you know, that makes us feel like we're talking about NFT collectibles <laughs> or make us feel like we're talking about something completely different where we're not yelling at I went down, the, no, the <laughs> I think the title of this episode is Robert Rose says NFTs are the future. That's all I'm going <laughs> to do. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there are there are many more colorful titles that you could pick, but um, those might be the yeah. ones. Um, all right. So let, am let I going go first? You, you yours go first. Is much you better. Want? I just have a couple quick things yep. that I wanted to throw out. First of all, there's a GQ article, uh, GQ.com. I'll put it in the show notes on Jason Sudeikis. It's a fantastic article. Uh, Ted Lasso, my favorite show on the planet right now, comes out on Apple TV Plus uh, July 23rd. And Jason Sudeikis is the co-creator of that lead star. I just love the show. It's it's uh, I have so many wonderful things to say about it. But this article is great. It goes behind the scenes when he created it, personal problems he was going through in his life. So I think it's good for just human interest, but also as a content creator, it's interesting to see the process that that Sudeikis went through. Uh, so that's my rave. Yeah. My quick rant is I fin it, and I'm not going to give anything away. I'm just going to tell you how I felt about it, but I w- I've watched the last episode of Loki on Disney Plus and not impressed. Not impressed with the treatment of the show. I loved the first four episodes. I thought they were onto something. I thought the last two uh, were kind of lost in the wilderness. And uh, I did not I did not appreciate the ending to the, the last episode. Um, you haven't seen it yet, right? Oh, well. No, no, I have seen it. I have seen it. Here, I'll say this as a counterpoint, but not to disagree with you, because I, I I don't disagree with you. But here's what I would say, I guess, as the if you know, in the voice of the the creators of the show, I think what happened was they got they they it, the show was a uh, they they could have ended it one way, um, and uh, again without giving anything away. They, if if the show hadn't been as successful as it was, I think they would have ended it probably in a more satisfying way for you. Um, but given that it has been given a second season, I think they they chose kind of a chicken shit way out. But um, I'm yeah, you know, I saw it described well the the last episode as really an extended That's cut exactly scene right. rather than it, there. There's you know, no yeah. uh, finality at all. It's not like. Uh, it's not like after watch it like a, a Fast and Furious where you're like, oh, that's a great ending. Everyone feels good. And yes, I know it opens some other opportunities and other places to go in the storyline, but I don't need to know those right now. This one was like, oh, come on. It's, it's almost like it needs a, an episode seven. Uh, yeah, so that's anyways, right. That's yeah, right. That's my thing. I want to hear yeah, about your yeah. uh, your totally rants agree. or raves. Well, it mine's very quick as well. It's just, you know, I, I was amused. So this week, um, and they're really very, you know, informative articles, by the way, for those of you in marketing that are looking for data on advertising and marketing and, and those kinds of things. And there's stuff that comes out every year. Um, and so uh, basically the first the thing that I'll link to is an ad age article that uh, refers to a it's a it's the ad age leading national advertisers executive summary, um, which is, of course, a part of their 66th annual report on marketing, uh, you know, and advertising. Um, and so which is always a good report, um, lots of data, lots and lots of data. Um, but basically, in a nutshell, says 
advertising is booming. It is it, it ad ad you know ad marketing is really just going uh, crazy, um, especially post pandemic um, and the growth of which. And then you couple that with also something that comes out every year, which of course is Gartner's uh, research on uh, CMO spending, which says basically uh, marketing has slipped to its lowest point ever in terms of spend to 6.4% of revenue. And basically, you know, it it says all categories are experiencing headwinds, though brands with um, revenue of more than $2 billion reported the lowest average marketing budget at 5.7%. Now, what I want to say in this is, is, is my, I guess my rant, if I have one, is just kind of a comical look at all of these articles. And I'll link, one of the ones we'll link to is the Wall Street Journal article, which just goes through mental gymnastics. I mean, it's Olympic level mental gymnastics to try and twist its way around to make both of those things true. <laughs> Basically that marketing spend is really low, but advertising mm-hmm. is booming. And just the just the, the 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 twists and turns that it takes there, I just I, I you read the article and you go, what are you trying to say? What you know, what you stop, Mr. Writer. Stop right now. What are you trying to say? And it's just comical the way that they they do this. The other thing that I'll say, which is this whole, it just brings up a rant, and I won't go on long about this. I could write a whole piece on it, probably should. It is time to retire the entire idea of measuring marketing budgets as a percentage of revenue. It is just, we got to stop doing that because it's just a ridiculous. And what 2021 puts in stark reality is, and you said it three times this show, right? The amount of cash that companies have on hand. And much of that, by the way, is cash that they didn't spend last year. And so they're spending it now. They're spend, and I'm seeing, I'm witnessing this in our client work and what I'm seeing. Of course, that's all anecdotal, but what I'm seeing sort of happen at a much more tectonic level are companies going, we didn't do a lot last year. We kind of folded up our tent for about 12 months. And now that we're getting into 2021, we're not only spending 2021's budget, we're spending some of 2020's budget as well because we had all of this cash laying around. And that's happening. That's just, that, that's just definitely happening. And so looking at it, it just in this one moment in time and saying that, oh, it is not a pretty picture for marketing chiefs right now because quite frankly, it's, you know, it's the lowest percentage of revenue spend in the history of we've ever measured this yeah. and oh my God, and the world is coming to an end and we got to stop. That is, first of all, that's not true. Because as a percentage of revenue, it probably is the lowest. But quite frankly, it's because they've got all the savings account built up that they're spending. So the spend isn't any less. It's just as a percentage of revenue. The other thing is, is that if you look at the percentage of revenue across different industries, you know, and this is just a classic problem. And when somebody says, well, how much should my marketing budget be? And somebody says, well, what's how much revenue do you have? Because it should be 8%, 10%, 6%, 7%, 12%, 12%, you know. And, you know, what's the right number? Well, you know, if you're in growth mode, it might be 40%. If you're in savings or retreating mode, it might be 2%. The numbers are so ridiculous in terms of, and it's just something that we've done forever as marketers to sort of judge ourselves as a percentage of revenue. 
it's 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 we should spend the right amount of money given the strategy that we have full stop given the strategy that we're trying to do that's the right answer and measuring ourselves against some mythical percentage of revenue that is probably not right and this year definitely not right is just something that we got to stop doing as marketers. And no, I that's think my that rant. you're so right. I mean, it's it's. I, mean, I used to work with HVAC professionals. This is back 15 years ago. We talked about marketing with them. They would always say, "Oh, well, we we want to spend three to five percent of of all of our of our sales on marketing stuff." And I'm like, "Why? What is that? Because right. that's because what your mix group tells you. That's is that what your industry association tells you? Like what? That's that was like the belief." And like, right. well, what are we? And I love what you said. What are we trying to do here? What's our goals? What are we trying to do for our customers and prospects? And how are we trying to build an audience? And what's going to move the needle this year? And what do we need to get there? Let's do that. Yeah. And then we'll see. I, I, I will tell you, I will tell you that this is a true story. And it's a company you know very well that was a client of mine that I talked to the CMO. And the way that the board and the CEO would establish their yearly marketing budget was as a percentage of their revenue, their forecasted revenue. So they would look at their forecasted revenue, factor in all the growth and say, great, your marketing budget is going to be, let's call it 8%. It wasn't 8%, but let's just say 8% as a, as a standard. So the CMO would make their plan for their marketing based on an 8% of that that would be their budget for the year. Funny enough, what would happen in July as the third quarter rolled around and they weren't quite making the sales or weren't quite making anything, the revenue that they thought they would, or they had a higher than average churn year or something like that. Guess what budget was going to get slashed in the yeah. fourth quarter? Of course, the marketing budget, which would go down to 3% or 2% of revenue. And that marketing budget would get thrashed. And then, of course, that's what they spend on marketing, and of course, nothing gets done, and it's an ever, it's a never-ending cycle, and so it's just a, uh, you know, it's it's, and in fact, it became such a habit for them that the CMO said to me, you know, we know now, right? We we know that the budget's going to get slashed in July, so we just don't spend it, which is so just crazy. insanity. That's Why just, do you do it's just you do? insanity, yeah. right? Exactly. Nuts. Anyway. Anyway, what do you got going on this week? Jeez, what is this week? Uh, <laughs> this is the middle of July. What are we doing here? Can you imagine? It's the yeah, middle I mean, of July. I'm, we're you know working hard. I, I told you before we <laughs> we have our our whole new tilt coin uh, benefits phase two is out. I know you're a big believer in social tokens and creator coins, so I like the. Co- I've, I'm not that big of uh, of of a a poo-pooer of, of the, the, the creator coins. I think that's an interesting idea. It's interesting, yeah. yeah using them to it buy It is in. interesting yeah. because tilt coin holders are very engaged, is I guess is the best way to put Private it. Private economies are interesting to me. Yeah. That's a very it's interesting. interesting. So we opened up new levels. Uh, so basically, you know, you subscribe to the tilt, you get $5 in tilt coin. And then if I told you before, if we if you hold five tilt coin, you get exclusive reports on a monthly basis. If you hold 20, you get to become a VIP and part of our inner circle. So we're trying to figure out how to create some value outside of the fact that you get, you know, percentage off of trading and merchandise and things like that, depending on how much you have. But I think I think we're on to something. Um, I we're still so early in this very, very much bleeding edge, but we're getting close. So that's what. We launched that yesterday. That's what we've been working on, and 
you know, I just keep thinking when we're how what what's Robert going to be happy with? Like, what do I need to do with our <laughs> tilt coin strategies so that yeah. Robert is well, satisfied? I'm an investor, so yeah, I am. I am an investor. You are. You're you're you're, you're yeah, inner so circle I'm, level. You. Yeah, you got in early. I get my name on the inside of the the, the arena. I get my little name and you number, got in right? early when tilt coin was arena. at thirty four cents, and now it's at seventeen dollars. Right. So That's it's right. a little bit different to get yeah. to get that amount. So you were, you know, you spent a buck and you're you're there. Wow, <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> my Owen Wilson. Wow. <laughs> what do you got going on? <laughs> uh, heads down. We are so busy with client work right now. Feeling blessed to have it. Um, so not complaining at all, but just super, super busy with it. Um, and uh, yeah, all good. All good, I have to say. So just working, 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 work, 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 scotch, 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 scotch. Good deal. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. We are signing off. If you want to get, by the way, all of the goodness of this podcast show notes, and thank you, I forget the Twitter follower's name, who decided that he was going to take it upon himself to literally tweet out every single episode of this show ever. Yeah, that was sure interesting, wasn't it? That, but, yeah. But, yeah, it was yeah, yeah. really interesting. Um, kind of screwed up the hashtag for the week, but, you know, there you go. Um, appreciate the shout-outs nonetheless. You can get into the show's uh, podcast of any of the other 279 episodes. Just get on over to our website at thisoldmarketing.site thisoldmarketing.site, and we want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our .site domain uh, at thisoldmarketing.site. Um, and if you want your own .site domain, get over to Radix and get your own .site domain. And until we meet again, ladies and gentlemen, just remember, it's your story. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Thank you.